What's up, everybody? You're listening to episode 19 of Two Views Movies Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And today, it's finally here. Avengers Infinity War. We had a 45-minute, I think, conversation in the preview about it, and now we've actually both seen it twice. Twice. Yeah, so we both got in our uh, namesake, our two views. Our two views, which really, on a movie like this, is key, because the whole point of the two views, not only is there there are two of us, but the other side of that is we have our expectations going into this movie, or for any movie, and then uh, we watch it again just to see how we, we felt after those expectations were or were not met. And so just to sit and actually enjoy the movie for what it is. So we got our, we got them in. Yeah, we did. I will say it's it's tough getting two views that quick in. I'd like to space them out, but you know, for podcast sake, we try Because we did the same with Last Jedi. I think I saw it on a Friday and turned around and saw it on a Sunday. And those consecutive back-to-backs are kind of tough to get through when yeah. you don't necessarily fully love. I'm trying to think of a movie that I would like truly want to watch that quickly again i want to do it to get get it fresh in my memory and make sure i caught everything because it's such a big thing for us to talk about but those back-to-back viewings that quickly could be rough i think i could use like a week or two between viewings if it was an ideal world yeah i saw it thursday night and then uh, again on saturday yeah. so i i probably could have used a, a week in between to build up that anticipation again, but i was pretty pumped to see it again yeah the second time yeah well it's the sacrifices we make for a podcast it, right? it is we just have to go watch that again Well, this was your pride and joy. I mean, we're not going to talk about the plot in terms of whatever the blurb is we normally give. We don't need to talk about the directors. We don't need to talk about the cast. I think this is one of the few movies that probably needs no introduction. So I'll let you take it away. This was your preordained five-star movie. This this movie did not disappoint. The Russos are solidifying themselves as just fantastic directors to me. The way that... They pulled all of these movies together and kept the tone of their movies and their characters, even when they're interacting with one another, I thought was perfect. So you have the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, meeting Iron Man, and you kept the same feel. You you kept, you know, Thor is more on the Guardian side, so when they met, you know, it was kind of still that, that jokey feel. And then Tony Stark's very sarcastic, sure, but you just have those feels of these movies. T'Challa stayed T'Challa. He didn't turn into a guardian of the galaxy and, you know, joking around that way. And Captain stayed Captain, even when Thor is not the same Thor that, that he was last time that, uh, that they talked. Right. And I just thought bringing all these worlds together, I thought was done beautifully. Yeah. That's a really hard thing to do when you've got that much, that many characters and that much screen time. I mean, it is working in their favor that they had established characters to pull from. So they could oh, very sure. easily do the research on the tone and what's needed. And they had experience with civil war with bringing a bunch of characters together in the same space and staying true to their characters. So it's nice when you have 18 movies worth of character development done for you. So it shouldn't be too hard to stay true to what's there, but I agree with you. They did a good job of making sure that everybody was represented in the way that stayed true to their characters. Well, it's not even, I mean, it's their characters, but also, Staying true to the directors of those movies. So the director of Black Panther, the director mm-hmm. of Iron Man's, the director of Guardians and, and Thor. It, it's it's hard to mimic somebody else's style, you know. And so, and, but I think they pulled pulled them all off, you know, into where it's like, yep he he came right out of uh, 
at a Wakanda from his own movie and he's mm-hmm. still standing right there and it still feels like his movie. Yeah. And so that's, I, again, I, I can't say that enough of how impressive that is to keep that, uh, keep that going throughout. And then they have Thanos mm-hmm. who just freaking awesome. Josh Brolin killed it, killed it. Yeah. Brolin did a really good job. And so not only did, did he kill it, the effects on Thanos Top notch. Mm-hmm. Like it makes me angry now anytime mm-hmm. that it's not because they can do it. Now, again, they, they spent $400 million on this movie. I, I want to know how much is the effects budget. But the second time that I was watching this and the every time they zoomed in on Thanos's head, I'm looking at the neck rolls and just the skin on the back of his head. And it was just, just perfect. It's like they created this thing from nothing and just done beautifully. Yeah. It was certainly no Steppenwolf. That's oh, for sure. God. And just makes me that much more angry at Justice League for for what they did in Steppenwolf, because it's possible. They just proved that it's possible. So you have Thanos and then you have Ebony Maw. That's uh Thanos right hand guy who's the telekinesis that Squidward. Yeah, Squidward. There you go. Um he uh he looked perfect. In his mouth, you know, when they showed his mouth, I was like, Oh, this is gonna look bad. And it, it was dead on. You know, that's one thing that Star Wars has had a problem with in the past is matching a foreign mouth with uh with dialogue that makes it look like he's actually talking Mm -hmm. and i thought they did that great yeah those were the two characters that they did really well in terms of effects i thought ebony maw and thanos looked fantastic i i I mean i was just thoroughly impressed and not only the uh the actor for ebony maw i thought nailed it Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna be be that guy that i hate for a minute and compare it to the comics so i always hate the people that well in the book you know it's like mm-hmm. this I, I hate that but but i think it really is necessary in this case to point out thanos in the book in in the comic books he is killing for killing's sake so he's killing people because he's trying to court death he's trying to impress the personification of death so he's just killing people and for that to be a villain in this day and age on the movie screen, it's pretty one dimensional. And the way the Russos changed his character, which I'm usually very against, you know, going against what the source material is. I thought they did it. They did a wonderful job of humanizing this guy who's trying to kill half the universe and then giving him a reason why and and letting him go down that path and, and making it like, okay, I, I get, I get where you're coming from when, why would you want to court death? You know, what, why would you want to impress this deity? That's a, you know, it's, it's Do you hard. Think to, they got away with go away from that because of Gila. I don't think so. Okay. No, I think they just wanted to find a sympathetic, uh, a, a, again, a way to make him not necessarily sympathize with him of, yes, he should kill half the universe, but more understand him. I think people can get behind that. And, and I mentioned to you earlier when, Again, to bring Justice League into it, when they make Darkseid, the big baddie in the DC universe, I think it's just a going to be a one-dimensional, I'm trying to take over another planet, you know? And I think it's going to be left flat. When here, they changed it enough to where, God, it's just just done so so well. I do agree that... So his reasoning, though, is that basically his planet was getting overpopulated and he came up with a solution of basically wipe out half of it and you'll be fine. Mass genocide. Yep. And they didn't do it. And then their planet went to crap. And so now he's going around to other planets and just enforcing it on them because he's got the will to do it. 
randomly so, randomly killing I agree that half it, the population. I agree that the second option is better than none, but I still feel like it was pretty one-dimensional. Most villains are out to destroy the universe, so you give him a little bit of a reason, but it's it's not the best. I mean, well, he's so just trying the, to prevent overpopulation, so he's like a conservationist gone wild. Well, it's a... You say try to take over the universe, try to destroy the universe. Uh, well, but both of those are very blah plot. So I, I can't get behind. I can get behind taking over the universe much more than de- just trying to destroy sure. the universe because you live in the universe. Why would you try to destroy it? Right. And anytime that they have a bad guy, you can't really s- sympathize with that logic. Well, usually it's not destroying the universe. It's usually destroying well, so, the planet so, or something. Yeah. Well, to, some are, and they yeah. live on the planet. Right. You know, it's like I'm just evil for evil's sake. It doesn't. Right. You, you can't gravitate to that. This and and usually that's who Thanos is is evil for evil's sake. And but here, it, he's trying to save life by killing it, which is a kind of a yeah, contradiction. Where, it, where do you? It's better than the alternative, but to me, it was still fairly one dimensional. And that it's like okay, I'm, I'm still trying to wipe out half of the universe by using this one thing because I have an end goal of saving everything. I, it, it could have used a little bit more. All his people are dead because they didn't do this, and he feels like that's the solution to it. Sure. And what I what I'm saying is that so building onto that, I think they could have done a better job of building that out. Because I don't think the concept is bad. You just get it in like a one-minute backstory from him where he's telling you why he's doing what he's doing. Well, you get it a couple times. You get it from Gamora. Uh, she tells her story. And then... Right. And I get that it was already a two-and-a-half-hour, two 245 movie that you can't put a lot of that stuff into. So we might get into this a little bit later, but it goes into some of my issues, which were I think you could have done a little bit better of building this up ahead of time so that you didn't have to just randomly cram it in via a one or two line thing, because I do think you could have built him up to be a little bit more of a, of a sympathetic or be a little bit more than just that one dimensional thing. And I think that that one dimensionality for me comes from the fact a little bit that it's just kind of told, okay, here's what it is. And now here's my motives for doing everything. Yeah. And, and you just mentioned a piece that we talked about earlier was you think that it should have been spread out more in the other movies, like in Guardians of the Galaxy, explain more of Gamora's backstory to help explain, you know, their relationship. Or really, Guardians is the where he fit in the best, or even in the back of Thor or yeah, something like that. Yeah, so I think what, what I had said was, and part of this is probably a little bit of revisionist history because Guardians 2 was disappointing. Very. And the plot was a lot of that reason. So Xandar, they talk about Thanos got the power stone because mm-hmm. he went and destroyed Xandar and took it. That's a one line thing that Thor throws out in the first 20 minutes of the movie. Correct. Xandar fits in with the guardians of the galaxy. Thanos fits in with the guardians of the galaxy because of Gamora. So why not have incorporated that into guardians too? Now I'm not saying focus a ton on Thanos, but you know, you could have shown the destruction of Xandar and, some, and built that into the plot somehow. And that would have led you to understand that Thanos has one of the stones and you could have given some of the, flashbacks of Gamora and Thanos in that movie so that you're not having to shoehorn it all into this movie. It just felt like they did the best they could in this one movie. I agree, but I feel like they backed themselves into a corner a little bit by not exploring a little bit more of all this in the 18 other movies leading up to it. Yeah. And so them hinting at Thanos from Avengers on, you know, they, but it was just like little one shots. Right, yeah, a little all... bit of a cameo here, a little bit of a cameo there, and right. an in credit scene or something. So, it just—I understand wanting to keep the air of mystery around Thanos, but it did back you into a corner with this movie when you're trying to do so much with so many characters, including Thanos, that you then have to rely on a one-liner from somebody to explain 
something that could have been put somewhere else to help develop everything. So originally, I think when I talked to you, I said Thanos could have used a solo movie. I think that probably would have been too aggressive. Now that I think about it, it would have been too much, but you could have put in more here and there throughout several other movies to help kind of flesh out, you know, put, put the, the children of Thanos in one of the end credit scenes or something. I, I know that's not much cause that's 30 seconds, but I would have worked them into another movie here and there. Like you said, either Thor maybe, or guardians Two, something like that. Well, you mentioned that a Thanos movie and this to me was Thanos movie. It was. And so it, he was the main character and then Avengers all around. Right. It is how, you know, the second time I'm really looking at it through that through that lens of this is his movie. And but because so, of all the other stuff, you're limited on what you can actually do for him. Sure. Him. Sure. But I was I got enough from what they said of why he was, you know, you showed him and Gamora. You understand that relationship. Could you have gone deeper with that and showed her being raised by him? But then I think you get a different feel because he treated her so bad when he raised her because that's what she was, you know, beating, beating her and, you know, th- things like yeah. that where I think they wanted to keep it as he loves her in, in and, that mind. Yeah. And I'm thinking that you could even have done yourself a huge, like, just take some of those scenes that were in Infinity War and have put them into Guardians 2. Oh, sure. Change no, I that's agree. I, I, I'm I not agree. saying you need to just overly expand on everything, but it would have been enough to at least give you that backstory because it works because Gamora is there, too. And then you could have even introduced some of a little bit more of the um, uh, the children of Thanos, just so you get an idea of kind of what they are, what they can do. Because if you would put if you had put them in, say, the destruction of Xandar, you would have got a chance to see their weapons a little bit or their powers and be be more familiar with that instead of just seeing all these new characters all of a sudden in this movie when yeah. you already have eighteen other characters. In sure, the movie. but if you're the Russos, here's here's your this is what you've already had. You know, right, and then yeah, re- yeah. Re- ready to go exactly. So, so they they can't back up and and add those to no. Them. And that's why I'm saying that that complaint is less about this movie or the Russos and more about I mean, come on, Marvel, you had 18 movies to set this thing up, and, and given they did a really good job with everything of setting it up, but you could have done a little bit better on that one, knowing that you were always gearing towards Thanos. So yeah. it's a small complaint. I, I think they did the best with what they had, but I would like to have seen some of that taken out of this movie. So it could be a little bit more cohesive and put into some of the earlier movies, but not much you can do about that now. Just the movie start off just with a just a force. <laughs> they appear on uh, Thor's ship from the end of Ragnarok. Thanos is there, and everybody half of the Asgardians are already dead, and everyone's lying around. So he killed half of them because that's that's his mo. Mm-hmm. You have uh, Ebony Maw basically explaining. What, what they're doing, which again, that was a change that they made because usually it's Corvus Glaive that's the mouthpiece. Of, I don't even know which one that one is. That's the one with the glaive, the staff. Oh, I kept calling it like uh, the Scythe or the, <laughs> the Grim Reaper. Yes, yeah, but it's, it's a glaive. Okay. Uh, that's what he stabbed Vision with. Okay. Uh, but he's usually the mouthpiece and second in command. But I think they saw the potential of Ebony Maw of one, the actor, but two, what he could do mm-hmm. seemed like a, a better second-in-command, which I thought they did really well with. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of pushed Corvus to the, the side. Right off the bat, what do they do? They put Thanos dragging dragging Thor, so clearly he just beat the crap out of Thor, and then they put him against the Hulk. That scene, I think, is phenomenal. So you have the the Hulk attacking, he's getting beat up, and then Ebony Moss says, let him have his fun. 
And I think that sets the stage for the rest of the movie of let Thanos have his fun because this, he enjoys this part of it, enjoys fighting Hulk's winning for about mm, four seconds. And then the fight scene that Thanos puts on, it's like a boxer, mm-hmm. like, like he was, he was throwing combinations and then backing off patiently and then throwing other comments. Mm-hmm. I thought the way that they did it, it wasn't just haymaker, haymaker, haymaker. Like you've seen the the Hulk do in previous movies or whatever. It was, it was choreographed beautifully. I loved it. And the second time I went to see it, I was like, I just want to watch that scene over yeah. and over again. And it, it only lasted, you know, 10, 10, 15 seconds. Yeah, it, it, it was really quick that he beat the crap out of the Hulk. Uh, but not only was that done really well, but it shows you the, the sheer power of Thanos right. of, of the Hulk was nothing, right. you know, and yeah, he had the power stone, which had had a lot to do with it, but he just put a whooping on, on the Hulk there. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. They set it up great. Cause if you can take out Thor and Hulk, who've been positioned in Marvel to be the two strongest and apparently with ease, cause he dismantled Hulk, no problem. And, and Thor was already dismantled basically. Right. And then to add further insult to injury, he, kills loki just snaps so, his neck yep. yeah so um, yeah i thought they did a really good job of setting up just how powerful he was the double-edged sword of that for me was that it then made it hard to be believable that anybody else in the marvel universe stands a chance well and you saw later that they didn't well but, and but, we, we will and i think right, we'll get to that part, we will but, but it's so the comparison that I've made to you is Batman versus Superman, not the movie, the concept of Batman fighting Superman. You and I have always said it would be over in the blink of an eye if Superman wanted it over. Right. And so I think what you're saying is Thanos didn't want it over, which I, I agree with you in the first fight. Ebony Maw says that, but in the other fights later in the movie, it seems like Thanos is truly struggling and he's almost losing at some point. But that was that's even when he has more of the stones later. So it's just it's one of those things where you set him up to be so powerful in the beginning that he can take down the two most powerful characters in the universe, and then he gets more Infinity Stones, but then he struggles with the weaker ones. So it, to me, it was like in terms of movie logic, it's sort of like you that should not have happened. He should have just squeezed his fist, and everybody would have been done with every time he fights somebody. And and he could have, and and that's where I'm gonna where we disagree with this and the concept of it, uh, he could have, and he showed that he could do that when he got to earth. And so he's fighting, uh, on Titan, star Lord, Iron Man, Dr. Strange, and he, he's fighting them. And, and I love, and I love the way that, that they showed him every time he clenched his fist, a different color of what he mm-hmm. was using and how he's using, fighting with the different stones. I thought, I thought that was really cool. But then when he got to earth and he's fighting those heroes, he was like, Basically, I'm done with this. I'm just going to get my stone and, you know, just I'm going to phase you through a wall, you know, th- throw the Hulk buster through the wall. I'm just going to swap you to the side. You know, right. None of you mean mean anything to me because I now see the stone that I want and I'm going to go get it. Yeah. And so that's that showed that, yes, I could do this at any time, but I'm just I'm just having fun over here. Yeah, because he's a he's a, a conqueror. I don't and a warrior. Think you can you can take that viewpoint. I don't think that's the viewpoint that the movie paints for you. I think they paint that he's legitimately struggling and that on that fight at Titan with those guys because he almost loses. He, yes. So he, I think that I don't know that the movie paints that scenario that you're saying. I, I get that you can take that, but I don't think that's what the movie's doing. That that's how I viewed it, and I thought that they set set it up that way. I think they did in the first fight when he quickly turns that, the table, but I don't think they position it as such in the Titan fight. I think they set it up, and that's what he enjoys. That's 
they let it out as, hey, you know, he likes doing this. Let him do it. Don't fight for him. Let him fight. I'll, I'll so, disagree with that, but yeah. okay. So you, you mentioned earlier that they uh, introduced four new characters. Again, Corvus Glaive, the Ebony Maw, Proxima Midnight, and for some reason, they changed the Black Dwarf's name. But you realize they used none of these names in the movie, right? Ebony Maw they used. Ebony Maw, yes. And I think they said Corvus at one point. But, did they? But I, I did know. not hear Proxima Midnight. Yeah. And uh, Cole Obsidian... I don't know why they changed his name other than to not confuse with Black Panther or maybe the dwarf of uh of Tyrion. Right. Uh, I, I don't know, but but they they changed his name. And I don't and you mentioned that you wanted to hear more about their their backstory and what they can do. I don't think that they I mean they're essentially henchmen. Right. And I think you pretty much gathered what they could do from what you saw. The only thing that made me think that was because I, I kind of compared them to the Kryptonians in Man of Steel. So the henchmen of Zod, basically. Right. And you're right. You don't need a backstory on that. I think the one reason why I said I wanted a backstory was because Corvus Glaive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Vision specifically mentions when he gets stabbed in the back by him that he couldn't phase because of the weapon. And there's no way for the audience to ever know that. So you don't kind of have a frame of reference for what these guys can or can't do. Vision tells you after he's been stabbed, oh, I I couldn't phase because his weapon, I forget the exact wording, but that's what he says. Right. So that would have been helpful a little bit to have that sort of background to know what skills are these guys really bringing to the table. Is Ebony Maw on the level of a Doctor Strange? Is he, because what exactly can Corvus Glaive's weapon do? Proxima Midnight? Like, how do they stack up against these Avengers? It would have been nice to kind of understand that. So I don't need a full background where they came from. Just a little bit better of an understanding of their powers, because that one line from Vision is what really triggered it for me, because it was just weird. And and I didn't think it needed that either, because, I mean, his Glaive, the backstory on that is it can cut through anything anyone or anything but i think saying that is really cheesy and so i'm glad they didn't say that no which is why a scene in another marvel movie where that comes up would have been perfect yeah it's it's more of i mean vision wasn't looking at him and he stabbed him in the back yeah but vision's a little bit more powerful than to be snuck up on you you would think so but they really crapped on vision and everything from his first one was uh was avengers 2 Ultron, yeah. Ultron, and then uh, Civil War, and then this. He's Especially to, after having him be able to wield Thor's hammer, That's right? the coolest thing that he did in the entire series, yeah. was picked up the hammer, and that's it. Yeah. He is such a powerful guy in the Marvel Universe that they didn't use him at all. I can't even... I think they phased, they phased him through a few walls mm-hmm. in, in Civil War. I think at the end of Ultron, they try to beef him up a little bit. I mean, he was fighting a bunch of robots. I mean, it was... Uh, uh, sure, I completely agree. He wasn't using his abilities like he could and this whole entire movie he was you know lame duck Mm -hmm. and so he he was just a plot mechanism yeah he it it was really disappointing if you're a fan of vision you've hated the way that they've treated him and it's uh and i'm not really a fan of vision so i didn't really care that much but he didn't he didn't get to show off what he can do at all and and that's that's unfortunate i mean outside of hawkeye and ant-man in this movie, Vision yeah. really got kind of the short end of everything. Right. Uh, uh, you could make an argument whether him or Holt got shortchanged the most in this movie, but... Yes, and we'll, we'll get to that, too. <laughs> but I do think that sets up Hawkeye. Um, my theory, we'll, we'll get to that later sure. on Hawkeye. But yeah, that's where the only thing that needed to be, quote-unquote, explained 
if it was because of that line, maybe, and yeah. maybe they did and they cut it out because right. it's like, that's kind of cheesy to bring. Oh, this glaive can cut through anything in any right. way. I'm glad that that didn't. Yeah. And again, my comment on that, I think goes more back to the same as Thanos, which is that if you're going to build up 18 movies towards this one event and you've had all this time, like give people a little bit to work with so that you're not just dropping these three new guys in here or four new guys, whatever it is you, you can, you could have worked them in into another situation. Again, if you just have, something that shows the destruction of Xandar and they're doing that, then when they show up, you're like, oh God, these guys are, you know, these guys mean business. Whereas when they show up in this one, you're like, wait, who, okay, are these guys, I'm assuming they're tough because they're rolling with Thanos, but I've never seen them before. So you're, you're trying to take in all of these characters and then you throw in another three or four that, you know, report to Thanos who you're trying to get acclimated to with. So I think if you could have just taken that all down to where you're familiar with everybody at play in some way, shape or form, then you can kind of hit the ground more running instead of trying to get your bearings. Well, and I think none of them have o- overly complicated powers. Right. So you have uh, Cole, who is just a big guy with a with an axe or the hammer, a war hammer. You had Proxima Midnight is basically Gamora. That's how they portrayed her. And then uh, Ebony Maw, that's uh, telekinesis that you see early on. He he can he can do that. Right. And so that's that's basically their powers. It's just always nice to know where everybody's at, like stack ranked when going into a fight, right? Like, sure. Are you are you on par with Gamora or are you on par with uh, Black Widow? You know, where where are you in the spectrum? Are, are you, they in in the Marvel universe? Are Black Widow and Gamora that far apart? No, I, I'm just saying it would be nice. Like the big guy wielding the axe, is he on par with Hulk? Or is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It helps to have a little bit of a bearing on that when you're dropping these people in. Again, if this was a standalone movie that was not pulling in all these different aspects, I would say, fine, whatever. You know, it is what it is. Like with the first Man of Steel, right? You're not going to take that. You have no way to have ever introduced the other Kryptonians except for Man of Steel. With Infinity War, you had the chance to sure. get these going. But so. again, they they didn't do the other movies. Had they done Guardians 2, it wouldn't have sucked so much. Yeah. So, but, That's true. Yeah. But, so... Getting in, getting into those characters, I, I had no problem with. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd seen them. They're not in the comics much, and so you don't really have a, a. I mean, Proxima Midnight and and the Black Dwarf. I mean, they're just they're just back there. They, they never really do anything. Yeah. Um, the only time I've ever seen uh, Corvus is when Thanos was quote unquote dead, and he was trying to take over his. Yeah, and then he immediately killed himself when Thanos came back. <laughs> so it, it was just one of those things that. Uh, there wasn't a lot of backstory on them, but I don't think it, I don't think they needed it, and yeah. so uh, I was okay mo- moving along uh, the, the story. It wasn't a big drawback by any means. Yeah, gosh, so I'm still on Thor's ship. So it, <laughs> I haven't even moved out of the no. first, and so obviously the ship blows up, and uh, Thor finds the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is just perfect. That whole that whole initial scene where he Thor's on the mm-hmm. table. And they're, and they're calling him a, a pirate angel. Yeah. You know, that was good. <laughs> they're feeling as much. No, that's a man. Right. You know? <laughs> You're just a dude. <laughs> You're a dude. That's a man. That was a good scene. Um, that, that whole, that whole back and forth with everything. Are you, are you mocking me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that whole. Yeah. That was a really funny scene. That was the first big laugh of the movie. And of course yeah. it's guardians. Right. Right. And, and it showed their ship. Of course and Thor they, got a laugh even when Loki was dying. When he's like, you really are a terrible brother. Right. Like it was a little bit before the death scene, but yeah. And he had something else before that. Uh, you, you talk. You, you talk too much. Yeah, he yeah. tells Thanos as he's squeezing his head. <laughs> and, yeah, 
And the uh, but when they they introduced the Guardians, they, they hit the song. Yeah, you know, and they're they're all singing mm-hmm. just like you'd expect the Guardians, just cruising the galaxy, singing, yep, singing the songs. And I just think uh, I think that was perfectly done. They and then uh, Thor Ragnarok really set up that encounter. I think Thor Dark World versus Guardians, not versus, but into yeah into Guardians. Uber is, serious Thor running straight into the Guardians and and riffing would not have gone well. Ragnarok yeah. did a really good job. And side note, would I don't think we have a long path on this, but Thor is the only guy right now in the Marvel universe that's evolving. Everybody else is kind of just continually playing the same thing. And he's not only evolving from like straight arrow Thor to comedic Thor, but he's getting immensely more powerful as every movie of his goes on. Well, I will say Cap is also has evolved. Now he may have plateaued, but he definitely evolved from his first iterations to well, where I, he is I now. I would say he's I would say he peaked and has plateaued maybe a bit since winter soldier he added a beard yeah but he's he's <laughs> not any he, he's still cap he's still the boy scout he's still got the same strength you know his his moral compass hasn't even changed no in terms of well and he War. doesn't he's cap no, right yeah but i'm saying thor is just i, I don't know what's going to happen with him because as of right now they are setting him up as the strongest person in all of Marvel. So I don't want to go too far yeah. down that path, but I, your comment about how Ragnarok changed him enough to be able to with guardians. He, he's the only one that I look at who's evolving right now. Everybody else is just kind of in their swim lane in their groove. Mm-hmm. And Thor is just kind of on this trajectory that doesn't seem like it's ever going to stop. Yeah. And with, uh, with captain is more his skill set than his, sure. uh, his attitudes or even right. how he, how he reacts to people. Yeah. Cause he was, he was, pretty sad in first avenger or first uh yeah the yeah. first avenger mm-hmm. and then uh avengers he was still just a guy running around a onesie he had one scene where he fought two aliens and right. that's it and then yeah. it's like okay cap's not not cool and yeah. then uh, you hit winter soldier and it's like cap's cool yeah you know yeah and, and he, then he's been on that again he plateaued at, the, at that point right but, but they, he definitely had a ramping up period of sure. let's find the right cap. But nobody's on the Thor trajectory. Nobody's on no Thor's stratosphere, yeah. which fits. He's a god. So yeah. they're they're doing right by him. Yeah. I think the Hulk with Tony and Doctor Strange. I am very happy that uh, I guess not Hulk, but Banner. Banner. Yeah, I'm very happy with Doctor Strange in this movie. Yeah, they uh, course corrected big time on this. Yeah, so he. His whole exchanges with with Tony, I thought I thought they worked really well, except one. I did not like. I'm calling him a douchebag. Yeah, because uh, it felt like the scene in Deadpool's trailer where he's like, "Oh, that's just lazy writing." Remember that? <laughs> that's exactly what I thought when he said that. Like, oh, we couldn't come up with something better than douchebag. Douchebag, and it didn't sound right coming from Doctor Strange, and it just is lazy. Some Benedict. Well, yeah, it's just lazy writing. Yeah. There needed to be something else there. And that one really, when I saw it today for the second time, that one again was like, ooh, that was that was like a cringy joke. That's just, it didn't work. Uh, everything else was fine. Yeah. But I, I thought they, they did much better by him in this, yeah. in this movie than, than before. Yeah. Being the person that's supposedly taking the mantle from Tony Stark, from all the reports of he's going to be the leader of whoever survives, is, is kind of the... That'll be interesting because... He definitely has, they're definitely giving him that kind of leader mentality, especially with some of the things he says and the actions he does in this movie. But my boy Thor is just, you can't beat him right now. Right. Well, and, and Thor isn't the he's never leader around. of the group. Right. 
you know, and he's he's a, a side character that when right. you need to call him the muscle, you call him the muscle. Right. You know, and then okay, we need we need some Thor right now. Yeah, Strange would be interesting though because it's a he's stiff. It's very different than what we have. Right. Out of Tony. Yeah. Or even Cap. I mean. Or even Cap. He's just very very stiff. Yeah. So I hope they don't give him too many comedic yeah. lines because he doesn't do those well. No. Uh, but I think everything else beyond that he did pretty well. Yeah, I agree. They're there in uh, Doctor Strange's world, and they go outside, and that's when Ebony Maul is there. And I thought that scene was awesome. Yeah, they did a good job. Everybody in that did good. It just the way he used his powers and just effortlessly cutting, you know, cars in half. And even when uh, when Cole was thrown at him, you know, he just batted him away. Right, just moved <laughs> him to the side. I'm just gonna move you away. Yeah, you know, it's like I don't care what happens to you. You know, type of thing. Even right. though you're on my, on my team. You yeah, know, I just thought that that whole scene was awesome. Yeah, it was a good scene. What a good setup. It, it was a good setup uh, to a, a worse scene. And so then now we're flying in space. He's taking Doctor Strange into a ship. Oh and yeah. Tony and and Spider Man go after him. Right. And that's when we get the the nanobots. Well, we get it earlier than that. We get Tony's nanobots yeah. there. You're talking about so one of my complaints was the the suit. His, Iron Man's suit looked terrible in this whole movie, and you can blame it on the nanobots. I think honestly, for as much as effects get better as years go by, somehow Iron Man's suit is progressively getting worse in Almost every movie. Green Lanternish. Uh, yeah, it, like I, I was telling you earlier, it's when you look at War Machine or even the first Iron Man, it was a bulky thing. And I mm-hmm. get that, you know, Iron Man's going to try and make it more agile and stuff, but it's getting to the point where it looked like neoprene armor. And it's not even Iron Man. It's like a smooth iron. And it's, and I don't think that lends itself well to looking good on camera either. No. Um. So I, I really didn't like at all Tony's armor. I didn't like the way it came on. I didn't like the way it looked. I, conversely, I had thought Spider-Man's was good. So I've never been a, a fan of the Iron Spider. You know, mm-hmm. he's he's worn it a few times in, in the comic books. And I'm, I'm a classic, give me my Spider-Man the way he's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, just his outfit and let Spider-Man be Spider-Man. Sure. But I thought they had a good plot reason for bringing that out. Sure. It, it, again, it, it makes sense. Yeah. But the, and I've also never been in any movie or storyline to have nanobots. I, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, I think it's a cop out on a lot of different ways it seems like they just insist on finding ways for tony to get his suit on quicker right Right? yeah Yeah. so they put him in scenarios where it's like well we can't let the suit fly from two miles away now because he's got to get it on right away so now it's got to be nanobots that cover everything we don't want him carrying a briefcase around everywhere he goes right right but i thought so my biggest problem was later with the nanobots was when they take off their mask yeah i couldn't help but thinking when spider-man did it now I i never really had a problem I mean, it didn't look great when Tony did it, but when Spider-Man did it, really the last time they did it, it's like he would have had hair, you know, and his hair, his hair, it like came out and it's like, that's not the way his hair would look because he was essentially wearing a mask. Right. Not, like, Tony was wearing a helmet, so you can essentially take that off, but right. Spider-Man's wearing a mask and I was like, he would, his hair is perfectly done. Right. You know? And so I was like, oh, that looks so bad because it just came. The nanobots just combed his hair. When they, they combed his off. hair. I mean, yeah. They can do everything else. Why not? Yeah. It, and so I, I didn't, I didn't like my problem, like the off and on of it. My problem with that scene in particular was, and I think this is because of the way the suits look, they looked like two floating heads. I, I, I watched it again, and Spider-Man's only really looks bad in that scene. It looks a little bit better on Titan when he's got his uh, helmet off or mask off. 
but they both look really bad when they're on that spaceship. It, it looks like floating heads that were green screened in. It, it, distracting both times. Iron Man's looks bad every time, even on Titan. See, I didn't get that. The only one that looked bad to me was Banner when he was in the Hulk that Buster armor. That one was real bad. And so, in the second time I was watching, I was like, okay, I'm going to definitely look look at him and see if it was that bad or it's just I'm not used to seeing a man in a large suit of armor. Right. It was, it, mm-hmm. it's like, how can you do somebody like Thanos well, and, so good and then you just can't put somebody in a... I, I think it's just the proportions, right? Thanos is all CGI, yeah. so you have that benefit where this one you have to put a human-sized banner head in a Hulk armor that's CGI right. and it's just, I don't think it's the right thing. I mean, and you didn't really have to do that. Right. You could have just filmed the scene inside, you know, with the HUD on his face and it right. been just as good. Mm-hmm. But And none of Banner's jokes went over well. I didn't think. See, and that's that's the difference between Ragnarok from Thor and Ragnarok from Banner is Banner got worse and Thor got better. Yeah. Because Banner shouldn't be delivering those lines. Right. Like he... And then I think Ragnarok ruined him yeah. uh, on that side. Uh, and Thor, Thor got better. It's funny. Yeah. Thor's cool. Mm-hmm. Banner still needs to be straight man. Right. You know, and he kind of took that from Ragnarok. Well, he wasn't trying to make jokes to other people, I don't think. It was more they were just giving him, like, when he's like, he calls Hulk like a big green asshole or something like that. And they just, both times in theaters, I didn't laugh and nobody else in the crowd really laughed at that yeah. one either. It's like, oh, all right. Because they were disappointed that they didn't get to see Hulk. Yeah. So. That's a problem. Yeah. Hulk apparently everyone that I read is saying that he was just scared to come out. I think that was the impression they gave that he got his butt beat so bad in the beginning that he didn't want to reappear. And so he was he was uh, afraid to, to to Hulk out. But if and that's the if that's the plot you're setting up, what's going to make him unafraid in Thor? Well, and that's where I thought that when Thor came down to Earth and Banner's getting attacked by all the creatures mm-hmm. sure i thought banner was going to coax him by saying see thor's not afraid you know and kind of that rivalry you know to get him out and that's when i thought he's going to bust out of the, the hulk mm-hmm. armor and be hulk yeah and uh and i didn't get that and nope. so that th- that was the one where i was like oh this is what i would do right here right but, but what i think they're doing is setting up the hulk's arc over all these movies of the per- the, the back and forth between hulk and banner because he can't have his own movie because uh, Universal own, owns those rights. And so they're, they're trying to do this. Okay, the, the battle within. And I think we're going to get a, what they call in the comics, the Professor Hulk, where it's Banner's brain and Hulk's body. So he can he can think and just be kind of an ultimate Hulk. Yeah, he got way more intelligent in Ragnarok. He Hulk did, yeah. yeah. He started talking. Mm-hmm. I think that's where they're going with it. Cause that's the only thing that makes sense to yeah. me of, I mean, why have afraid of Hulk that it doesn't do anybody any good. Well, and again, I, I don't know how you back out of that. What makes him unafraid then in Avengers four. Right. I don't, I don't know. I, the only thing I can think of is black widow gets put in some kind of danger and in, that's in peril. And that's yeah. the one thing that gets him to come out. That that could be. Yeah. I could. Yeah. But in speaking of that, I I thought that scene was done very poorly. The scene where Banner reappears at the same time that Cap and... Well, so Banner's already with Rhodesie. But then Cap, Falcon, Vision, Scarlet Witch... All show Widow, up. All yeah. show up. And uh, Black Widow... God, it's so tough for me to not call her Scarlet. 
<laughs> because your mind thinks Scarlett Red. Johansson, but then you think Scarlet Witch, and then I have to stop and pause every time to think Black Widow. Right. But anyway, Banner sees her, and he she's like, hey, Bruce. He's like, Nat. And then even uh, Falcon says, well, well, this is awkward. Right. And so I just rewatched Ultron a few weeks ago, and they were really playing up, I forgot how much, their, the, their, love, interest. their love interest. Right. And so to just leave it at that was sort of... I think there's a deleted scene in there that they, that yeah. they cut. And I think, obviously, again, when you're trying to do so much, you can't do anything. But I, I didn't need a lot. Just something more than a really, really stale, stiff, oh, hey. Well, my guess is that it's a slower scene, that they were still on a, a ramp up, you know, high yeah. intensity, that they didn't want to lower the energy you know, oh, to, yeah. to that. But I but think, I think that's you could have written no, I agree. I a agree. line or two of dialogue to give them something more than that. I'm not saying you have to pull them aside. No, I love you. I love you. Mm. But like, it's yeah. really just... And maybe Let's go sit down and talk. <laughs> right. So not to get too far off track, but that... I didn't really like anything with Banner, now that I think about it, this whole movie. Yeah. I just kind of wish he wasn't there. I mean, even when he was in the Hulk armor, he didn't do all that good. He no. kind of got dominated by a bunch of those dogs yeah. or whatever we want to call them. That was the armor. Hulk could have been fine. Right. I agree. Yeah. Well, that whole that whole scene I really enjoy. But I'll go I'll go back to Cap's first appearance. So, you know, him it in the shadows. It was not as cool as the trailer made it out to be. It would have been if we hadn't seen it already in the trailer. Maybe. I, I thought Cap was really, really underdone this movie. That was one of the more disappointing things. I went from being afraid to death that Cap was going to die heading into this movie, like we talked about in the preview, mm-hmm. to really feeling extremely underwhelmed by everything he's involved in. In fact, the whole Earth plot, I didn't, I don't really care for. I thought it was just kind of, eh. Well, they didn't get much screen time. No, and when, and when they did, it was just kind of the traditional comic book, we need to eat up time by fighting off a horde of whatever. It was basically Avengers 1, where the, not, is it the Krill? They were coming, I can't remember who they were. Chitari. The Chitari, thank yeah. you. I think it's Krill in comic books or something, but. Uh, yeah, it was essentially that. We have hordes of enemy, mindless or Ultron robots. So mm-hmm. the mindless hordes coming in and the comic book heroes have to fight them off. They got the most traditional, bland arc, visions off to the side. Ugh. But all of that to say, Cap was just, man, I, I guess if that's what I had to trade for him not dying. Not, not dying. <laughs> then okay, I guess I'll take it. But Yeah, he, he didn't get much screen time. Because again, I, I still felt like this was a, a Thanos movie, you know, and, and less about the ancillary characters. Uh, but what I did love about Cap was the first the first fight scene. So with him showing up, I, d- I did like that, uh, the way that they did that. Uh, I wish I hadn't seen it already in the trailer because mm-hmm. that would that, have been a cool reveal. It didn't happen when you thought it would happen, though. I'll no, give him that. No. And then uh, you have him fighting Corvus and Proxima Midnight, and him and Black Widow and uh, Falcon. And I thought that was a really cool fight scene. The second time I watched it, I thought it was very poorly edited. I could not get a sense for how good the fight was. I, there was a lot of jump cuts in there. I liked how they clearly fought together. And so it's like that they've, they've done this before and they're on the same page. And that, that's just more that the feeling they got. They got these, these guys you know, have been fighting. I, see, and I'll be honest, when I watched it today, I, couldn't, I honestly could not get a sense of who was where fighting who and what I thought it was edited very, very choppily to the point. I I couldn't, I couldn't sit here and you said they fought together. I don't remember them fighting together. I just, things were jumping around so fast. I could not get a grasp on it, which sucks because 
I thought the Russos and Winter Soldier did really, really great at all the action scenes in that and letting you see what Cap was doing and how he was doing it. And in this, and even in Civil War, that was the case too. Mm-hmm. You got to see everything. This one was just, that scene in particular was so choppy for me. It, it was a little dark, but I, I felt like I, I tracked it pretty okay. well. But I did. But I, I, because I really, I really liked that because I thought, again, they're stepping up. They're almost doing to Black Widow what they did with Cap. Of making her more of a badass, mm-hmm. uh, where where she should be on fighting skills and and whatnot. I just I just like that that whole scene with Cap. But the other my my one takeaway with Cap was in the Wakandan army when they're all running towards the the horde mm-hmm. coming through, and they're all running together, and then it shows Cap yeah. and Cap and uh panther you know outrunning everybody yeah. which is, is true that's that's what they would do you know because <laughs> right. they can run what 40 miles an hour or something like that right and which so, they've already done in civil war. civil war but was that cap yeah well cap was chasing bucky who was and then in panther okay i just can remember if somebody was in a vehicle or not i think bucky gets on a motorcycle at some point but never mind yeah. it's neither here nor there the yeah. point is yes they did a good job of that they they get uh, them pulling away from the, from the fight and, yeah and one showing they're willing to lead but two right. hey they're, they're that much faster than everybody else because right. i mean he was that way in the first avenger yeah yeah so he's yeah that was cool i i had my own sets of problems with that wakanda fight i just didn't like all the setup because again mindless hordes you have vision being cordoned off somewhere else and then for Wakanda being this advanced civilization, they have no weaponry other than shields and La- laser pew spears, pew pews, <laughs> pew pew. Yeah, I mean, they don't have they have ships that fly because that's how they deliver the troops. They don't put any artillery on those ships. Never the, needed it before. It strikes me as very odd. They that, have a shield that they've never needed it before. <laughs> it's so weird that they had to fight all that horde hand to hand. Well, plus Rhodey. Well, yes, and Falcon, but you know what I'm saying, right? <laughs> right. Like that's bizarre. That's one of those movie logic things where you're kind of like, all right, Wakandans don't have any other kind of weapons. It's not, but in black Panther, we saw them fight the same way. Yes. When they fought each other and they fought each other. Yeah. But you would think if it's such an advanced civilization, they would have something capable of more destruction than fists, shields and spears. Well, and Killmonger would have came up with those to fight off the the other tribes. Because he said they had futuristic weapons spread all across the globe. Killmonger did. Yeah, laser yeah. spears. That's it. And shields. They had <laughs> right. those shields. Right. That they pulled up and then they never used. Yeah, they put them right back down. They put them right back down. Yeah. yeah. So after they lowered the shield, they put down their shields? Yes, they did. Yes. Because they charged. Because they charged. <laughs> you, need, you need this protective shield. <laughs> right. So the getting to the, the main crux of the movie of Thanos and Gamora, I thought that was done really well. So I'll I'll back up even a little bit. With uh, Star-Lord and Gamora, I thought their relationship was awesome. When he was about to shoot Gamora. Oh, yeah. I thought that whole scene was was done really well. I loved it when Thanos stepped back through the portal after Star-Lord tried to kill her. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I like you. Right. And and (laughs) stepped back, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah, that scene uh, was on Nowhere at the Collector's Place. Right. That was done really, really well, especially because it showed Thanos how he could use the reality stone to give you an idea of how he could do that, which that's the one stone he never really messed with the whole rest of the movie. Yeah, right? well, he, he used it to show... To not sh- not as a weapon. Right. He used it when he was explaining what happened to Titan and stuff, but not when he could have just... Because that's the one where I was like, you could just... Do that whenever you want. Fool everybody every time. When he turned uh, Drax into the blocks, yeah, and then Mantis into the ribbons, that's straight from the comic, is it? And so that that that's what he did to two characters there, not those two obviously, but uh, 
the, the, the straight from the pages of when Thanos got the Infinity Glove in the comic, which is is kind of a you know sure a t- tip of the hat. But, but that's exactly really cool. why the whole thing of the fight on Titan because he has the reality stone by that point too yeah. is is so ridiculous to me movie logic wise because he should have just walked in and been like boom okay you guys are done and he could but what's the, what's the fun in that I know so my wife mentioned this and I did kind of agree with her that you have two movies worth of Gamora and Star-Lord will they won't they sure and it did feel a little rushed in this movie when they finally kiss and decide that they want to say they love each other and everything. It felt a little bit out of place and rushed because we're just putting it in this one little segment in the Avengers movie, but not boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> right. Yeah. What does he say? Long term so, so, booty call. Long term booty call. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then of course they had to have Drax standing there being invisible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I did think that, for having two full movies worth of this will they won't they to get a quick two minute random scene where they finally say that they love each other, which I know they had to because of what happens with Gamora later and they're trying to set up that emotional pull, but it, that one felt a little little rushed to me. And see, and I was thinking that they already had. Maybe they had. I, I don't see. And I can't picture when they had, but I, I felt I like they had. Uh, I know when they were trying to dance, she stops him before. Yes. And right. Then, see, you're doing my thing. Yeah. You're going back to Guardians 1. Yeah. Because Guardians 2, you just don't want to remember. So you block, just out bl- block it out. I'm sure yeah. they kissed him there. I just don't watch the movie again. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I feel like they were mad at each other the whole time because he was hanging yeah. out with his dad and stuff. Sure. But anyways, I, I, I agree with you on the scene at the Collector and Nowhere. I, I did feel the the scene on the ship was a bit rushed. Yeah. No, I, I can see that. But then Thanos, you know, is more, so he takes her and he's trying to get her to be back on his side, essentially explaining himself to her and torturing Nebula at the same time, you know, and that's, uh, yeah, using them against each other. Yeah, that's, that just shows his whole relationship with the two of them, which Nebula is always described. Mm-hmm. Of, You've always been the favorite and I've always been the one that's been ripped apart and, and changed and yep. turned into Darth Vader essentially. And so that scene was, was really good, uh, which all sets up the getting them the, the uh, soul stone, which I knew was going to happen when, once they said, Oh, you have to have somebody that you love. And I knew Gamora was going to call him out on it. Of you don't love anybody. Ha ha ha. You oh, can yeah. never get that, this. That was coming a mile away. Yeah, but I think it was still done really well where the fact that he calls her little, little one throughout the entire movie, I thought was, yeah, was awesome you know just it shows again he still feels that that fatherly something to her but he's not to be swayed from his mission right so he he tosses her over Mm -hmm. toss her over which i don't think anybody thought was going to happen i mean you and i talked about it in the preview we're like gamora is not going anywhere right we didn't think any of the guardians were going anywhere no but definitely i think gamora would have been last on well besides star lord would have been last on our list probably yeah but but is she we don't know that no we don't know that. And but to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they left Loki dead, if they left Gamora dead, and they left Vision dead. The ones that died pre one, pre finger snap. Pre finger snap. <laughs> we'll call it PFS and <laughs> pre finger snap. Yeah, PFS, but right. but then there's also the aspect, so we'll jump way ahead at the very end of the movie when Thanos is clearly in some kind of The Soul Stone? Yes. And yeah. little Gamora is there. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of angle they try and pull with that. Yeah, I, I don't. That's and some people were thinking. We'll, we'll get to some of the theories later yeah. on the ending in the movie and whatnot. What, right. what they think, but well, I think there'll definitely be more of that. And yeah, so, and I think 
you know, we'll talk again, like you said, more later, but I think that I, I had that same line in the sand that you do, that there's a huge difference in talking about the future of the fate of characters pre-finger snap and post-finger snap. Right. Um, which I think we'll, we'll talk more later. Yeah. But I think there is that line in the sand. I think that's a fair line to draw. I don't think it means that it won't be crossed though in some way, shape or form. Sure. So sure. So but yes, that scene was done really well and it was telegraphed, but you, you knew it was coming. Right. Right. I, I found myself just the stupid smart aleck in me wondering like, well, what would you do if you got to there and you had nobody with you? Right. Yeah, you, you, have to, you have to leave <laughs> and then come back. So now we have a whole yeah. other movie of Thanos going. Oh, I got to go back and find Gamora and got to find somebody he, that I love. It'd be funny if he brings Nebula and he's like, mm, Red Skull's like, no, that doesn't count. <laughs> it kills her, and right. then no, that didn't. Work. You, it, didn't, you didn't actually care for her. It was funny though, because I mean, I didn't care whether Red Skull was there or not. That wasn't a, some people like that. I was like, fine, whatever. I don't, I don't really care. It's more of a where, where do you go? Yeah. And so now you just answered that question, right? And it gave you a nice, you know. Oh, what what has to happen here? So right. you have a narrator. But it was hilarious because you and I talked afterwards, and I, I shit you not, I had the same discussion with my wife, like almost as you were texting me saying this, where I was like, Jess, I was like, I think that was Littlefinger yeah. doing the voice of Red Skull. And I was like, I don't know why they would change it, but it didn't sound like Hugo Weaving. And yeah. then, like, as I I had meant to look it up, and like 30 minutes later, when you and I were talking, you're like, I thought that was Littlefinger. But it was, it sounded even this time around, I was like, oh my God, it sounds just like Littlefinger. It, his, it sounded like his cadence. Yeah. And then it sounded like he was trying not to sound like himself. Yeah. It, it, is, it was my impression. Yes. But, but then a few words he elongated, you know, made, made it sound like, yeah. like him. And uh, it ended up being the, the guy from Walking Dead. Yeah. Uh, who's not in really much anything else. No. But it's like, oh, okay. So, right. so I, know. I was kind of disappointed. It's going to be one of those proud moments where it's like, oh, I called it. Oh, I call, yeah. <laughs> Actually, I go, oh, that's Littlefinger in, during the movie, yeah. you know, and, and it was not. No. It's, I don't yeah. know what that says about that guy's ability to do impressions when he's trying to do an impression of Hugo Weaving and it comes out as Littlefinger. Well, I don't know what he, because in Walking Dead, he's American. So well, I don't know what he normally sounds like. Well, they like. said that he got, sorry, we're going way off topic, but I read that he got a big break by doing YouTube videos of impressions. So he's like an impressionist. Oh, okay. Take that for what it is. That's his German how, accent. How good of one. I that's his... <laughs> yeah, that's his Hugo weaving. Speaking of Hugo, you got Hugo and you got Terrence Howard. Yeah. Who? Well, Terrence Howard probably didn't have an option to come back. Terrence Howard did and he threw a fit. No, no, no. I mean, for this movie. No, I'm saying their careers. Yeah, yeah. Of Red Skull probably would have been involved in future Marvel movies had Hugo Weaving not been uh, yeah. whatever he was. Yeah, he didn't get himself like that. Get himself kicked off of basically the Marvel lot forever. Right. And same with Terrence Howard of, dude, you just got to suck it up at some point in time yeah. and, and play the role because now where have you been? And I looked up his filmography and he's been nowhere. So he, he was empire. on, he was on a, yeah, he's, he's on TV. Yeah. You're on TV now. He was on upward trajectory. He just got a, an Oscar, you know, hustle and flow. Or, hey, sometimes, sometimes then, you play that power hand and then you're nothing. Yeah. And Nobody nothing. wants to work with you anymore. Oh, talk about a kick in the junk. You know, yep. he's, he's seeing, you know, Don Cheadle out there. Yeah. They're little bit parts, but he's, he's in the movie yeah. and he's going to get a residual check for the rest of his life. Exactly. There's a billion dollars that just made, you know, t- today. Yep. You know, he's got to be regretting that. Like, oh, yeah. Right. Sorry, little, my little side note, but I, I, I jotted that down. Of, Gosh, they got to be kicking themselves. I would say so. Yeah. So, so now we're on, we're on Titan. We're fighting on Titan. And, well, actually, they're, they're talking about, uh, they see Doctor Strange, and he's going through the time, mm-hmm. the time stone. 14 million. 14 million. 600 something paths. Yeah. 
and only one in which they win. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of set that up of, gosh, you know, Thanos is, you know, he's got the right. odds on, odds right. on favor of doing this. And then from that moment on, you have to be under the impression that every action means strange something. takes is geared towards that one path that he's seen. Right. And he says as much right. a couple of times, I think. But. And he says, it's the only way. Right. You know, so when he gives the time stone to Thanos and people are like, why wouldn't he using the time stone to, you know, in that fight? I was like, well, cause he did 14 million times, right. you know, and played it out and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. And so this is the only way that works. Which I will say was really good. How Dr. Strange, the movie set that up because that's how he beat the Dormammu. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's how he beat him. He just kept going and going through those iterations. So this time he didn't have to go through them. He just saw them. Yeah. And so that he sees that the only way for them to eventually beat Thanos is for Thanos to win temporarily. Right. And so that's why when, when you get to the end of the movie where Thanos snaps his fingers and half the world dies, it's not half the universe dies. It, it's not the deaths that are important to, to me in that of them turn to Ash. And, oh, I don't, you know, Bucky dying, you know, that's a cheap way to kill Black Panther. And that's a cheap, you know, it, it's just showing that the good guys lost. And so that that's how I viewed that of, you know, it's like, oh, it's not a, a cheap out, as you, as you, you keep mentioning. It's, no, it's, 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 it's a weak, out. it's a weak. No. What were you saying? Uh, so my point, if we're going to talk about that. We are <laughs> right now. My my point is not that it's it's weak. It's that it's not even remotely believable. That's my problem with it, is that they overplayed their hand. You play the subtle hand with Gamora, Loki, and Vision. That's be- that's believable. Sure. If Tony had died in the battle on Titan, he would be in that group too. We're like, I don't, I don't know if Iron Man's coming back. Right. But post finger snap, people, it's such an aggressive play that it's clearly a bluff. Right. It's like playing poker with somebody and they just are, are making the stupidest play when they put all their stuff in. You're like, oh, all right, I know you're bluffing. This can't happen. Sure. So it takes away from any emotional value that that would have. So the the what we talked about in the preview and what people have knocked Marvel for and what we, we, we called them out for was you have to have stakes in this movie. There has to be danger. There has to be stakes. And by killing off as many people as they did when Thanos snapped his hand, they effectively created a situation where there are no stakes for those people. Well, as long as the Infinity Gauntlet is in play, you anything can happen at any time. And so, Entirely fair, yes. And, and so that's... So the ones that... Uh, but, died but, but versus you, the ones that turned to ash i think are very different exactly. because i think the ones that turned to ash is just again showing the good guys lost yeah but there's a million different ways you could have shown that what would be i mean you could you could have you could have had only a few of them die you could have shown the world's collapsing and stuff like that you to show that thanos won you know you didn't have to show half of the avengers dying and if that's fine if you do I'm fine with it as that kind of device, but I think they were clearly going for some kind of shock value in terms of, hey, we know the knock against Marvel has been that nobody ever dies, and the big question is going to be who's going to die and what's going to happen. Because everybody, even casual moviegoers, know, like, the, like half the people in the world know Phase 3 versus Phase 4 and stuff like that, and they know that there's a sequel to Black Panther coming, and they know that there's another sequel for Guardians coming. They, they know these things. I think you're you're wrong there because no. I've I've taught I think you're mistaking the average movie fan to more towards where we are right? uh, on the the clo- not 
do their own podcast about no, movies, but, but but closer to that because I've talked to a lot of people that are like, well, gosh, they just killed off. Everybody. What are they going to do next? You know, and it's like, well, they didn't really kill off Black Panther. You know, you know he, he just had such a great movie. You know, and they just killed him off like that. He he, he didn't deserve that. And it's like, it's like I think more it, people see that especially in terms of how it's set up in the movies with the infinity gauntlet that, that they can be brought back. I think more people know that it's not that those deaths are sticking than the people that believe the deaths are sticking. Well, we had a whole row of kids in front of us that oh, okay. were, were, kids don't were count. bawling. Kids do not <laughs> count. One kid had a, uh, had a black Panther gear on his claws right. and bawling. And <laughs> another person had to tell him that, uh, no, he'll be back. He'll right. be back. And he's our wife. And he's Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, but so, it's a, so I get what you were saying that you need a mechanism to show that Thanos won. I think it could have been something other than that, but I think it it would be dishonest to say that they weren't playing that card to try and get the, Hey, these were real consequences kind of thing. You guys have said nobody ever dies. Now we just wiped out half of the people. But my problem again is that it's such an aggressive play that it's not even remotely believable. Not, I mean, not even sure. at all. So it's, yeah. it's stupid. Well, we know that everybody that, that ashed out will come back. But I think once infinity war four or Avengers four happens that, uh, people will die. And so I think this is a, again, this is a, we don't have to have all these people in this next movie uh, because black Panther's going to be making his own movie. Spider-Man's going to be making his own movie. Guardians are making their own movie. You know, so it's an easy way to, Oh, we can keep rocket because he's just a voice, you know, more of a a timing thing because over the next year we have to film, this next movie. Yeah. And so I think it's a, a way of taking them out so they can have a concentrated effort of bringing them together uh, to get the, to get the gauntlet to, to, yeah. to, to snap at it back. But I don't think it's their intention of saying, Oh, see, we have raised the stakes. Uh, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think they, I think they are well aware that the knock on Marvel movies has been that there's never any risk of anybody ever dying. And that they knew what the questions were all around this. They played up certain angles about who would or who wouldn't die. And I think did they, they or is that all? No, I think with all I, internet. No, no, no. People. I think I just think with marketing and with Thanos coming and the Infinity Stones and even some of the trailer shots, you start to kind of wonder who's going to make it. Uh, in the whole like don't spoil anything campaign. I mean, I think they made it out to be that things were going to go down in this movie, and I think this was their play of making things go down. And I'm just saying that which they did, they did go down, they did go down. But my my point is that they're they're hardly impactful emotionally. Like I get it from a plot device. Okay, now we've lost half the uh, half the Avengers crew. I get it from that standpoint. Sure, has e- zero emotional resonance whatsoever because you know it's entirely not real. Well, there, there's a couple things that were tugging at the heartstrings uh, on that. And normally it's like, okay, they're, they're all going to come back. But when Bucky is fading and the only thing he says, is Steve, yeah, you know, uh, that's like, it's like he calls out for Steve, like that was good. And then Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm not, I, I'm not I saying, don't, I don't want, I don't want to go. Yeah. You know? I, I'm not saying the way it wasn't filmed, wasn't designed to register emotion and that no matter what, how somebody's dying or whether they're going to come back, you can, you can try it. But when you're sitting there, you're just like, okay, None of these guys, I mean, none of these guys are actually dying, dying. So I'm not going to even remotely feel sad for them. Whereas well, you can the say other... the same thing about when Groot died, that you actually think they're going to kill off Groot in Guardians? No. Well, I mean, actually, no. I, I mean, I, I, at that time, the first time I watched Guardians, I had no idea. I didn't know how inconsequential Groot was or wasn't because I didn't know anything about Guardians. So, yeah, I had no idea the first time I watched it. 
no, it was pretty clear that Groot wasn't going anywhere to me. Well, and I, so, but it still was a great scene. Right. But that's the case of me in that, in that situation, I have no context for who the guardians are. If they're, if this is, if this movie is even going to be good enough to warrant a sequel, because nobody really knew anything about guardians going into it. So that's, that's a perfect example of when it absolutely works because you don't know. In this one, there's way too much information in terms of who's got sequels, who doesn't, who's still got That's contracts. True. It, so the, the hand could not be played like that. But my my point was that if you had if you had played less of a hand and only taken out certain people or a couple of people, then you might be like, oh god, are those guys really gone? But now you kind of figure that everybody post finger snap is coming back. Well, and that's not the movie itself's fault. That's the marketing of here's our release calendar for the next 20 years. And they've listed out these movies. But you have to be but realistic as, about But it. as a movie itself, if you're just watching these and that's all you know is this movie. I still think even if you just go into it with that, knowing what the other 18 movies that you've seen, I think you're going to know just with common sense that they're all not dying. Especially when you know the Infinity Gauntlet can bring people back. No, I think you right. can. But you can question because of the way they happened and the timing in which they happened, the people that died pre-finger snap. So I think if you had put some more people in that kind of situation, yeah, that would have been way more emotionally relevant. But it's just, it's really hard for me to get any kind of investment into in, in any of those deaths. And, and it had no emotional impact on me whatsoever. Cause I was just like, well, yeah, on, on those. Right. And then I, I agree, but it's, again, it was more of to me, you're just showing that the good guys lost. And opposed to, oh, feel bad for Black Panther because he's, sure. he's, he's I, turning to ash right now. Yeah, I, I get it from a plot mechanism, 100%. And, I, and I'm fine with it as a plot mechanism. I'm just, it, if that was their hand at trying to be emotional, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't work in the situation in which they tried it. I don't think that was... And there's no stakes. I think they had other, other points where it was emotional tugging at you. Yeah. And so... Well, I that, guess I should even say, maybe not even emotional, but to be like, wow, or to have that moment of oh my god can you believe they killed half the avengers like it doesn't even have shock factor for me because it, i know they're coming back for you but i think the majority of people that saw it i don't know if majority is right i think i, I the think people that it, they you talk they, to kids i talked to kids i saw i talked to the all sorts of people that are mad that, that they did it because they they believe it yeah but i bet if you were to ask them like do you think they're coming back they'd be like oh i bet they find a way to bring him back Oh, yeah, he's got the Infinity Gauntlet. Well, right, so it's layered upon layered. It's unrealistic to wipe out half of them and have it stick, and you have the Infinity Gauntlet on top of that because the Infinity Gauntlet already brings you into question even the people pre-finger snap. Sure. So, yeah, it's just layers Anything can happen when you have a, a gauntlet that can do anything. Right, and they better play this right in Avengers 4 because as bad as I kind of feel about Infinity War right now, if they don't handle this right in 4, it could retroactively hurt infinity war it can make it feel even more cheap than what it does now depending on which way they go yeah I'm, i mean I'm, say they resurrect I'm, everybody except loki and vision i mean what's well, so you're grabbing gamora and everybody then it's kind of like every time else that you go up and watch infinity war you're like oh that was kind of i mean i don't think so i think it's, it's still badass enough to where that's gonna it's gonna it doesn't it doesn't, ru it doesn't ruin the whole movie i'm just saying that like it, it definitely will for me cheapen I'm, Whatever effect it was going. I'm very anxious three. to see how they handle all of it, and I'm anxious to see who gets the gauntlet to bring everybody back. It needs to be done in a tidy fashion. If it's done sloppy, it could get ugly real fast. In terms of, well, why didn't this happen, or why couldn't you bring back this person? This person came back, but not this person. And how did it happen? And 
time travel gets ugly in any kind of. Oh sure. And I know this isn't time travel, but it's Messing. time manipulation. Mm. Yeah, is going to get, and, and you don't want to, you don't want the equivalent of it was all a dream. Well, so you have speaking of, so you have that uh, the theories of people thinking that Thanos is in the the mirror dimension. No, so I watched specifically for that today. He shatters it when it comes flying his way. Yeah, but it, 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 things like that. They think that he's yeah. he's all in in the soul stone, or he's all in the the mirror dimension and things like that. I don't think they're going that route. So, I think and I'll touch base on that. I don't know if you caught this. So, after he does the gauntlet at the end and wipes out half the universe, they mm-hmm. do cut to him in the is it soul dimension? Is that what you're calling it? What is it in, the, in the soul gym? Went with Gamora? Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you refer to that soul as? Gym. The Phantom Zone? No. <laughs> in, in the Soul Gym. So when he's in there, he does not have the gauntlet. Soul Stone. Right. Soul Stone, yeah. But when they cut to him looking at the sunset or mm-hmm. the sunrise or whatever, he does have it. So to yeah. me, they're visually cueing you that that one piece that they showed you with little Gamora oh, sure. is Soul Gym. I'm not sure everybody caught that because I had, I looked for it specifically the second time to make sure, but he, d- he has the gauntlet on when he's looking at the sun in the last scene. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he's just on another planet and it may yeah. be Titan that he resurrected. I don't know. With the reality stone. Yeah. Right. Just turned it back into his old Titan. Yep, he could have. Yeah. But the, uh, so the, the last piece was, uh, the end credit scene. So yes. you have, uh, um, Nick Fury, and he's calling on Captain he, Marvel. He pick, picks up the pager because it's a souped-up pager because mm-hmm. her movie's coming in the in the nineties uh, or set in the nineties, mm-hmm. and uh, it dropped and it shows her emblem on there. <laughs> the the best part of my experience with the Avengers was there was a guy about three seats down, and he must have known the guy behind him, and they must have had a conversation about whether <laughs> Captain Marvel was going to be in this movie or not. Yeah. And he, <laughs> as soon as they showed that emblem, you know, the rest of the theater's silent because there's no more music and the credits are already done. Right. He, he stands up and turns around to his buddy and he goes, Captain Marvel, mother f-. <laughs> <laughs> And just points at him. <laughs> and it's just like, and so the second time we saw the movie, nobody clearly said sure. that. And so it left us with a very different feel, but it's right. very optimistic <laughs> leaving the theater when he was celebrating Captain Marvel coming. That's awesome. And so it was, uh, you can bleep me. Uh, but the, uh, but, but that was a, a, a fun takeaway. A lot of people didn't know who, what that symbol meant. Yeah. That, that I'm talking about. And it was like, was that Captain America? Was that, right. you know, who, who are they calling? And I've read that somebody in Marvel, I don't know if it was Kevin Feige or who it was, but they um, made a comment that she's the most powerful person in the Marvel Universe. Yeah, they they built her up. She's, I'm not sure she's Thor level, but she's she's close. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, in terms of the movie universe, it sounds like whoever this person was, I wish I could, I should have looked it up before we started talking, but that they made the comment that she's far and away the strongest uh, maybe not strength is not what i'm saying like most powerful i guess so i don't know if that's their intent for her in the marvel universe or not yeah and and i'm hoping this is a heath ledger moment where i'm not a big like i like brie larson but i don't like her for this character i'm a, yeah. I'm a big fan of captain marvel in the comics i i really enjoyed reading her storylines and i i can't see it I, I truly hope it's it's one of those that I didn't like when they cast Heath Ledger. Sure, and, and, nobody and, did, and, and it ended up, you know, working out quite well. So I'm hoping that, that that happens, and I'm hoping she can pull that off. But I I just don't see that in her, of of being that that powerful, you know, leader of of everyone. Yeah. Um, so I'm um, 
cautiously optimistic. Yeah, it, and see that in and of itself is going to open up some questions too because if where she been? Yeah, if Captain Marvel set in the nineties, where was she when the Chitari happened or Ultron, and why was Nick Fury not reaching somewhere out in space? And Marvel's really good at figuring that stuff out. I mean, they they've opened up a few loopholes over the years, but they tend to close them fairly effectively. So I I have all the confidence that they'll they'll figure it out. I'm more concerned just with the problems that the the gauntlet in and of itself raises and how they're going to effectively manage Avengers 4 and if they are going to have permanent deaths in Avengers 4 that how do you make them permanent given what you know about the infinity stones and everything i mean you can destroy it, them they're and, destroying the stones but then something. i mean but then what does doctor strange do if he's the protector of the time stone and what happens to him if the time stone's not around anymore He's still a well. That's just a powerful sorcerer. Yeah. So it'll Avengers four. I, I, this is the other thing I kind of hate about Infinity War is they've been talking about three and four being different movies because they were going to be Infinity War part one and part two, and they right. said forget it. I feel like it kicked the can down the road a little bit. I mean, I, I know they introduced Thanos and did all that, mm-hmm. so I, I get that it moved the needle. But in terms of the repercussions that everybody was talking about, it's like it just shoved them all into four, four, mm-hmm. which I didn't really want. And, and yeah, but I mean, it's not that's fair. What to, I... That's not fair to say because I know Vision and Loki and Gamora bit it in three, but Loki, we called, we knew right. it was gonna happen when we listed off our people. Again, when we're talking the big guys, the real sacrifices, we're talking Cap, Iron Man, Thor. You Hulk. get one more movie with them. Yeah, with who? All of them. All those, think? and then well, Hulk will stay. You think? No, I mean, you get Avengers 4. Yeah, yeah. but I don't know. I'm still kind of torn on what I think will happen on on that. Well, we get a whole year to talk about it. Yeah, it doesn't give me any more context. I, I will say that uh, one, one we, we didn't mention, and I'll do that briefly, was uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, Wanda. I thought while they didn't explain all that she can do, they, they're finally showing what she can do. If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it does. I, and I know I talked to you about having a severe problem with all of a sudden now we're supposed to understand that Scarlet Witch has such power that she can destroy the Mind Stone. Right. I don't feel like they've set that up in the previous movies that she's been. And she's been, this is not a good, uh, more of like a parlor trick person. Mm-hmm. They have not done a good job of showing the strength of her powers in order to say that she's equivalent of, not not equivalent, but has the right ability to destroy an infinity stone yeah and the, my only thought on that is that they've had visions stone for so long and then they've studied it clearly for a long time because they keep bringing up how it's all connected to him is that they didn't know that whatever her power her chaos magic I again i don't know how they're really describing her right powers in in this universe other than kind of just telekinesis right that's uh, what i'm saying they have not done a good job yeah. of making that clear to the audience of what it is that she's actually really doing. because it's also a little bit of not just telekinesis she can control minds right? she did do that she, in avenger yeah. yeah so ultron that's what i'm saying she's just kind of one of those where you're like oh okay I mean, vision was the same like i kind of think i know what you can do but not really yeah they haven't really again defined that but i'm glad they finally are showing how powerful she can be yeah because that's that's really cool. And, yeah. and I love that they addressed, hey, why was she up in the tower the whole time? Right. You know, you know after she did that? Yeah. I'm glad that they, they addressed that because you kind of think the same thing. Yeah. You know? and so yeah. That, uh, I, I just did not really like any of that. It felt like excuses to move Vision out of the way. You know what I mean? I don't know. It was just weird. The whole thing was weird. Yeah. I liked, I liked her. Uh, I don't like Vision, so I'm glad yeah. that all worked out. 
and uh, so I'm excited. So I I clearly loved this movie, and I loved just about everything about it. I'm I'm at a strong five stars <laughs> on this, and I, I need to to wait a little while before I watch it again. Bro, when it comes out on uh, on Blu-ray, I'll, I'll pop it in and see if it can overtake the uh, Civil War and, and Winter Soldier. But right now, it, it's feeling like my favorite Marvel movie. Yeah, I will say it is a it is very much a Carson movie. No, for sure. Uh, it's I mean, got a big, huge bad guy that's well done. Awesome bad guy. Lots of action because you're not like me in the sense where I, I want to see other elements to it. You're you're good with straight popcorn just give me all the action i can take that that's you that's more your style whereas me i you know i I like the things to resonate a little bit more i i I don't mind the big action scenes but i need something underneath that to really latch onto for it to kind of go into that next level for me so i was at a four on this one i debated between a four and a four and a half second viewing really solidified it as a four i just i needed i needed more i wanted more we talked about it already. We said in the preview, I, I wanted real stakes in this. And so the ending really rubbed me the wrong way um, in terms of that. But even beyond that, there was just not a lot of emotional connection for me. The Gamora scene worked pretty well. Um, I did really like Thanos. I thought most of it was filmed really well. So I, I think it's really solid. It's not better than Guardians for me. Guardians is still the number one Marvel movie that I've seen. It's got everything. Um, so I, I don't need to go into my Marvel ranking, but this one lands somewhere. It's in the top tier for sure. I don't think it's better than Winter Soldier, although I do need a good solid Winter Soldier viewing again. I would say it's probably better than Civil War in some aspects, and in some aspects, no. So everybody loves the airport scene. I shouldn't say everybody. A lot of people love the airport scene in Civil War. It's my least favorite part of the whole movie. The That's thing, ridiculous. The thing I love about Civil War is the... Uh, storyline between Tony and Cap and Bucky and how they tied in his parents' death. That's the kind of stuff that I really latch on to in terms of that. So that Civil War has moved up a little bit in my rankings, not because of we could see everybody fight each other, but because of that piece. Well, see, and I'm villain maketh the movie. Oh, yeah, and, the villain. And Thanos has solidified him, himself as one of the top villains and hopefully in time if they don't <laughs> screw him up in the next movie in time will we'll come down as all-time biggest baddie you know and yeah i just think that he has the potential for that i think brolin did an amazing job yeah he and, was good uh, in this I, I will absolutely give you brolin and thanos it's too early for me to anoint him too high but in the context of marvel villains him. that have been super oh, bad i mean marvel villains he's top I mean, I'm talking all-time movies. Yeah, is, it's is way too early for it, that it's, conversation. It's, it's too early, but he'll get there. So, uh, yeah, again, I'm at a four. I, 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 it's not better than Guardians for me. It's up there in the conversation with Winter Soldier. Civil War is up there. Black Panther is up there. Ragnarok has moved up my list quite a bit as I've watched it more. So it, it's definitely in the top tier. I mean, we're talking 18 movies. So if I even say it's in the top third, it's in the top six movies right so it is it was enjoyable for me i i think 
I've seen a lot of bashing of it, which I don't really understand. I mean, I don't see how some people could like some of these other Marvel movies and then somehow trash this. I mean, there are distinctions between all of them, but this one is not so much off the charts where I could see somebody saying that they, they liked Ultron but hated this or something. It's just there's been some really weird reactions to this movie. I think there's a lot of people wanting to be counterculture right. and it's just it's it's obnoxious so i'm definitely not one to be here and say i did not like the movie it's a very good movie i enjoyed it it's a four a solid four i just have other movies that do some things better than this movie and in this movie i guess what i'm trying to say is there's things this movie does that i think other movies do equally as good and then there's other areas where i think other movies do it better so i i don't know that this one does any the only thing it does i think the best out of any marvel movie is potentially the villain which i was a big fan of killmonger oh come on i mean but, I, but, I love i love creed but, but he's, that's the he's difference, no thanos but that's the difference between me and you you like the big huge brawler guys the thing that i liked about killmonger was his his story and where he came <laughs> from and how he came to be but, but they're they're too drastically i mean it's it's very apples and oranges you can't even really compare Thanos, a guy who can throw a moon to Killmonger, a guy who grew up in Oakland or whatever it was. So it's well, I think they had potential with Killmonger. We can get back to our Black Panther, but I don't think that they they landed they landed on his what he could have been. Yeah, I, and, I agree. It's not perfect. I'm just saying that those two are up there for me in villains. But I, I do think Thanos is a very very good villain. So that's the one area of this movie that I feel like it's probably better at than most other Marvel movies, but. The other areas of this movie, I felt it kind of came up short compared to other Marvel movies, like Guardians has more heart. Uh, Civil War has more emotion for me with the storyline with Tony's parents. So, you know what I mean? It's, that's where I can't anoint it into anything. It's definitely not a five-star movie for me, but I was debating between four and four and a half. I'm on a four. We'll see if that changes over time. Your next viewing, you'll be at a five. No. Because this, that's, where it, that's where it is. This movie will never be a five for me. It's not... So you're, now you're just being stubborn. No, no. It's just not my kind of movie. This is very much a Carson movie. Yeah, well, when you see Star Lord shooting Gamora, next time you watch it, I've seen. Yeah, that, that's the one scene that works. Up, but yeah, get you here, get you right in the feels. <laughs> Does it get you right here too? And get you here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for Infinity War. Nice, about an hour and twenty minute podcast. So there you go. about the same as Last Jedi. So right. we're, we're we're pegging it pretty good right now. <laughs> All right. Well, as usual, if you have something you want us to talk about or review, send us a line at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com. Visit our site, twoviewsmovies.com, and you can find us on any of the social media channels, really, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you like what you're hearing, please go to the, one of the podcast stores, either Apple or Google, and rate it and leave us a review because that would help us out tremendously. And we will catch you next time.